Hello, and welcome to Finding Peace Within. I am your host, Lisa L. Dalton. This podcast was created to provide thought-provoking conversations that I hope will encourage you to find a more peaceful life through spiritual awareness. So sit back, relax, get your pen and your pad as we take this journey to finding peace within together. Coming up on today's Finding Peace Within podcast. Growing up around the drug dealers and everything, you know, I've I've seen it all. Uh, But yet and still, that just wasn't a part of my life. And people knew it too, because people knew um, I was was a church boy. You know what I mean? So, you know, and I never, so I never got, uh, how can I say it, persuaded by anybody to do something I didn't want to do. Now grab your pen and your pad as we continue on this journey to finding peace within together. We have a very, very special show today. I have a very special guest with me today by way of my husband, Stephen Dalton. Hello, love. (laughs) Hey, love. Welcome to Finding Peace Within. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited we get to do a show together. Um, How do you feel about that, love? I'm glad my people got with your people and made it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad your people got with my people and made it happen, too. Um, Look, guys, we, we got a really, really good show today. We're going to be talking about... um. The fatherless life. Yes. Yes. And my husband is going to be very transparent uh, about his life growing up uh, without his father. We're still talking um, and studying from the book of Dr. Thomas More in Care of the Soul. And in this chapter, it talks about um, the myth of the family where it relates to the father. Now, I grew up with my father, but my husband didn't always have his father there. So I thought it would be a great idea idea to have him come on the show and to share what that experience was like for him growing up without his father in the household. But before we get to that point, I want to um, first let everybody know that Stephen and I have been married. How long now? Fifteen. Fifteen. December twenty third. Right. Yeah, and um, it's been a great journey. We have two sons. Yes. Max and Adrian. Well, let's say it in order. Adrian and Max. Right. Adrian is thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> and Maximilian is now nineteen. Right. Second year in college, and um, we just thank God for what He's doing in their lives and. And um, we just celebrate. We just celebrate what what they're doing and the young men that they have become. And before we get into our lesson on tonight, I'm going to ask my husband to pray um, (laughs) for the segment on tonight. Amen. Father, we love you on today. God, we just celebrate you. We just give you glory. God, we thank you 
for who you are in our lives, oh God, Lord. You are an amazing God. You're the only one wise God. There is no other. God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity on tonight, God. We ask that you word our mouths, oh God, Lord. We already know that you've taken control of our hearts, which is automatically connected to our mouths, oh God, so that what you want to come out, God, it can come out. Speak to your people on tonight, oh God, Lord. Let someone hear something, oh God, Lord, that change can take place in their life, oh God, Lord. Not by mistake, oh God, but on purpose. Let everything on tonight, God, let it be intentional for your glory, for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray, your son, amen. Amen, amen. It's got caught up there. Amen. It's okay, Elder. <laughs> when he starts to pray, he goes into Elder mode. I love it, though. Elder Stephen Fitzgerald Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we're still studying in the book of Dr. Thomas More, The Care of the Soul. And in this segment, we will be talking about fathers and homes without fathers. And as I stated before the prayer, I grew up with my father, so I don't have that experience of what it's like to um, to grow up without a dad. But my husband does have that, that story, and that is his testimony. So I thought it would be great that he come on the show. Before um, he and I get into a dialogue, there is a part of the book that I want to share with you. Um, I didn't read the, the story of Odyssey. If I did, I don't remember. Um, I know Max has read it book, right. and I had to go back and get the book so I can familiarize myself <laughs> with the story. Yep. And I asked him, and we call each other love, so we'll just say what we say around the house. Yes. Love. And I asked Love had he read the book, and yeah. he stated, it was a high school reading for us. Uh, it was like a standard reading. A standard reading. Mm-hmm. I, I, I obviously didn't pay attention. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't remember that one. It's been so long ago. It may I have been a different book back then. Man. It probably was. It's, it's okay. probably Charlotte's Web or something. <laughs> that was standard too. That was standard. <laughs> Great school of. Odyssey's high school, but keep going. Okay. But in the book Odyssey, um, Thomas More refers to the book in related to um, the father. Now, in the book, Odyssey was the father who went off to war right when his son Thaddeus um, was born. But Thaddeus then became a fatherless son. And as um, Odyssey was out on sea, he asked the question, does any person know who his father is? Whether the father is dead or if he was absent or cold? One of those fathers that's there but absent. Uh, was he a tyrant? Was he abusive? Um, was he a wanderer? That's something that Odyssey was asking about his own father, in which in turn his son was asking, who is my father? So love. Has there ever been a time in your life that you questioned, who is my father? Has there ever been a time? Um, who is my father now? Because I know there was a point your your father was there at some point, I think. Yes, in and out. Uh, yeah. yeah. So when you when you came to the realization that he he's just not going to be here. Did you ask yourself the question, who is my father now? No. No, I I didn't. I just I just took it for what it was. 
um, you know, whether you call it a coping mechanism or whatever you want to call it, but that was just, um, that was the mode and I guess really just the best way for me to kind of just deal with it. Um, it just, it was normal. So, um, I just kind of looked at it for what it was and, you know, just kept going. Honestly, just kept going. Taking things at, at face value. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so, um, you know, when he would come around, it was just, okay. And then when he was gone, okay. You know, that's just kind of um, it's kind of how it was. It was like that for a while. Yeah. For years. Yeah. And how, how old were you when your father passed? Um, actually, I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. So you can say, you can say 17, 18, 18. 18. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Care of the Soul, Thomas Moore also says, trying to find the clues to our fathers can be quite elusive, meaning very difficult or hard to achieve, which creates chaos, conflict, and sadness. Was there ever a point in your rearing you experienced any chaos, conflict, and sadness by not having your father? I know you and I have had many conversations about, you know, you and your dad and mm-hmm. he, he being there and in and out and not being there totally. Mm-hmm. And so there were times that you actually sat and waited for your dad yeah. um, to come pick you up. Would you mind kind of sharing a little bit about the sadness, the chaos, and the conflict that perhaps that experience created for you? Yeah, um, there was just one time. I mean, just that just it just still sticks with me today. Um, that he had promised to um, buy me a bicycle, not just any kind of bike, a BMX bike, a BMX, black and yellow bicycle, black and yellow. But you you couldn't go to Kmart and get it. We had to right, go, we had to go to the bike shop on Central Avenue. Yeah, you know, that's where all the yeah. Yes, love is a shower to you. I am. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he promised that he was going to go, we were going to get that bike. And, um, I waited and I waited, I waited. And this was like a Friday too. Wow. Yeah. It's like a Friday. You I waited. remember how old you were? Um, not exactly. Um, not right off, but it wasn't high school or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So it must've been, um. Probably, probably going to say like elementary, or, or if anything, early junior high school. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, um, I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, wow. and I waited, <laughs> and he never came. You know, and um, and to this day, that is just something that has always just kind of you know been with me, um, in regards to, you know, the decisions that I would make, or that I desired to make um you know with with our own children so um yeah that's just something that just stayed with me that just kind of just brought me like the most um grief and it may not seem like a lot just a bicycle but it just kind of goes deeper than the whole bicycle kind of thing but um so that's what it was in my opinion and well that's your story yeah yeah that's your story and and your your reality is your truth and your perception is your truth. You know, we say perception is true to the person that's looking in. Um, how how do you think that affected um, now your relationship 
with Maximilian. And those of you that don't know, Adrian is my birth son and Maximilian is Stephen's birth son, which is my stepson, which we don't have steps. Um, They're both our children, but Stephen um, is Max's um, father. So how has that experience with your father, you waiting for the bike, which never came, set you up to make sure Max wasn't disappointed. That just became a life journey. Yeah. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, I, I that's something that I knew before, you know, children ever even came into the existence. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I, that, you know, one thing that I, that I wouldn't do, you know, I and mean, not that, you know, we've done everything perfect, of course, right. but, you know, you know, for the most part, you know, um, just doing my best to, you know, kind of um, keep my word on things. And that's, I mean, but that's just a normal thing. That I just teach him as a man anyway. Because right. a man is only as good as his word. Right. You know. Integrity. 1,000%. So, you just, you know, don't make any promises that you can't keep. Mm-hmm. Or don't speak before you process. Mm. You know, just take your time and, you know, just kind of um, weigh all the options first. No matter, you know, what's going on in the moment. And you may want to respond. But, uh, yeah, that my whole dealings with my home with my son definitely um that was just i just knew i didn't want that that was a total fact right you know and so whatever i could do to change that that was my um desire and uh, my prayer yeah yeah and and you've been consistent with that um because we've been together since max was 22 months yes so i've seen um the the pacifier and the diapers and all of that that stuff with Maximilian and and us raising him and how you've made sure that if you told him you were going to do something you actually followed through on it um so I think that's really great another thing um Dr. Moore says um without the deep spirit of the father we are left with father substitutes willing to play that part for us One becomes a father to one's own life by becoming intimately acquainted with it, which means you have to be in touch with your own soul and your own spirit. And by daring to travel across that journey within yourself, um, it takes deep father, a deep father figure to help you do that and to settle into your soul and to provide a sense of authority, the feeling that you are the author of your own life and that you are the head of your own household and in control of your own affairs. Ha- has there been a point where you had to find a, a substitute father um, to help you develop um, you becoming the author of your own life? Because I know we have Pops Morris, right, um, Dad, and uh, let's talk talk more about. How how that became to be, and who who were the men in your life that helped to cultivate you and to develop you into the man you are today? Mm-hmm. And what was it like having to be your own father without a father? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to make it seem like I was going around and just asking people, "Will you be my daddy?" Exactly, <laughs> Will you be my daddy. because <laughs> so, I know, I know, I know. It wasn't like that. Will you be my friend? Will you be my father? Will right. you be my neighbor? Yeah. So, I, I, and I said that to say, um, I think the best thing, how it really just happened, you know, it just it was just based on relationship. 
Right. And it's just something that just grew into um, what it became. And we grew up in the church. And I was, you know, I was, you know, just going there. Um, even our spiritual father, um, Bishop Jade Sherman, it just, you know, it grew into that. Mm-hmm. And again, that was all based on relationship, um, first and foremost. So um, him, I mean, 1000 percent. Yeah. You know, just seeing, um, you know, how he operated from top to bottom church. And outside of church, too. Right. Um, being close to the family and just seeing, you know, like I said, outside of church um, with his own wife and children and things of that nature. And then um, once I got to high school and then uh, me and my, my my now best friend, and we've been best friends since we got to high school, mm-hmm. um, his father, he, through our relationship, uh, me and my best friend, his father became, you know, a daddy. A father to me mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. um i have the highest respect and the highest regard for mr mars and um you know just being able to see um somebody that um that owns a home you know things like that somebody that was successful mm-hmm. uh in their in their uh profession for work um and even you know how they discipline their children you know just being around to see um like I said, from my best friend, Greg, his sister, Angie, and, and then uh, Marcus. So seeing all of them, you know, growing with them and, you know, um, to see their point of discipline and how he even conducted that. And um, all the talking to's that Greg and I got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the stuff that we did. And, uh, and, and, and even for a short period, um, not to drag it, but even for a short period, uh, Mr. Morris um, had a brother. Mm-hmm. And he was a state trooper. His name is, we, we knew him as Mr. Al. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Al, uh, he was a state trooper. And so he was living here with them for a while based up. I don't know how they move around as state troopers. I, I don't know how that works, but he was living here for some years. Yeah. And um, even him, I mean, I remember so vividly, they were talking to me and Greg, don't get no credit cards. Mm-hmm. Don't get no checks, checking account yeah. before time. Not to not ever do it. Right. But, you know, just before. Until you were able to handle it. 1,000% financially. Right. You know, just so many different lessons, you know, even, you know, even when it comes to relationships and things um, of that nature. So, um, you know, very important people. And then one last person, he wasn't necessarily, quote unquote, a father because we were only like a few years apart per se. But he was a good friend, kind of a big brother slash father kind of. um, His name is, uh, his name is Amari's Hikes. And Greg, Greg and I, we actually, I met him through my work because mm-hmm. I was employed. Um, and when at, did you start working? I started but, working, well, I started working when I was 14, 14 years old. Yeah. But these were summer jobs. Mm-hmm. And then so you're looking at eighth grade. Mm. Eighth grade, ninth grade summer, 10th grade summer. And I think once I became a senior in high school, once I became a senior in high school, um, I got a job at Kmart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so on I, Freedom Drive. No, it's on Independence. Oh, that's right, that's right. And I was a cashier <laughs> with no no bag boy, no cashier. Okay. And um, so by being there, um, I met a, a I met a, a guy. His name is Maurice Hikes, and we're friends to this day. But Maurice showed me and Greg a whole lot yeah. how to be debonair as men. You know, just from top to bottom. He taught us about restaurants. Uh, he taught us, you know everything you would want to know as a young man, you know, especially when it comes to court and women, yeah. uh, young ladies, that is. And, um, you know, how you sit at the restaurant, yeah. you know, just, I don't want to turn this into a material thing, but some of the finest rags. 
Polo. <laughs> Way deeper. You name it. Kohan, the whole not. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, but, you know, it's not about that. But at the end of the day, he was an example, is all I'm trying right, to say. So, right. yeah, so that were definitely a, a Just couple Just showing you a different way of life. Yeah. So I, I didn't, yeah. um, I, 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 I knew nothing about that. Right. And um, so he was very important um, in our lives. And in fact, I think he taught us how to drive a straight drive, I think. Because you were driving when you were, what? 12, 13? I've been driving for a long time. For a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was bootleg driving on the back street. Now, Stephen is, is originally from Charlotte. So the way you all see Charlotte today is not the way it was oh, no. when he was a kid. Oh, no, no, no. Um, Stephen, if you, um, because I, cause we grew up in the church together. Mm-hmm. And guys, I've always, I've known Stephen since he was two years old. I was 10, which, you know, the Lord saw fit now that we be, we are husband and wife, and we are awesome team. Mm-hmm. But um, th- there were times when you did have to do things by yourself. Um, how how was that for you? Um, going to church, playing sports because you became an awesome football player mm-hmm. and um, baseball player. Mm-hmm. You didn't play basketball. No, I, no, not not organized. Right, I played, but not you organized. Played, but not organized. Yeah, and yeah. then you became a coach. Yes, a football coach. So what what was it that kept you? Because you've never been to jail. Right. Um, you haven't been in what I would call real trouble. Right. What kept you from getting into that real trouble? Because mom worked. Yeah. You know, so what was it for you? I mean, you know. I, I grew up as a latchkey kid, mm-hmm. you know, and most of us do. Yeah, black, most of us do. Most, most black children, that is, because your parents have to work. Right. Um, so it was just kind of a, it was a, it was a norm for me mm-hmm. um, to come home, get your homework done, you know, before you go outside, mm-hmm. you know, fix something to eat, then you can kind of go outside, um, that kind of thing. Um, and the And the hood was my neighborhood. Right. You know, as bad as it was. You know, it wasn't bad for me, though. Right. You know, maybe for somebody else. But by me growing up where I grew up, I mean, in all of everything that it brought, it was just it was communal. Right. You know, so what 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 probably would have or no, what probably was seen as, you know, something negative from people by people from the outside. um, It wasn't that for me, you know. Growing up around the drug dealers and everything. Right. You know, I've, I've seen it all. Uh, but yet and still, that just wasn't a part of my life, and people knew it too, because mm-hmm. people knew um, I was I was a church boy. Right. You know what I mean? So always sharp. You know, and I never so I never got uh, how can I say it persuaded by anybody to do something I didn't want to do. Right. You know, like try to offer me something to drink. Although you know I've attempted that, of course, but you know it just you did? yeah I did love. Oh my lord, I didn't exclusive. know. <laughs> But anyway, um, you know, like, you know, smoking, uh, that's not my thing. But, you know, that pressure was never applied on me by anybody. Right. Because people, you know, knew, you know, kind of, uh, you know, where I, kind of where I came from. And if they would have seen it, then you, you go to you go to that church up there. What you do? What you doing down here? So it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work no way. It definitely um it wouldn't work no way. So. Um, and I'm glad it didn't work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm glad it did work because I remember many days, um, and Stephen has always been the, the quiet person, even as a, a young man um, that he is today, very um, 
very sharp, very smart, always been into music. Um, but he, he, he just didn't have a whole lot of uh, what we would call hangarounds, even in the church. And even today, that is still very much a part of, of his soul. Yes. And um, and I don't see that for changing because you're, um, you're on the other side of 45 now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> He's on the other side of 45. Um, so in this part of the segment, I want you to share with um, with someone who may be fatherless. And what was it that kept you strong? Um, you, you surely you had to be strong mentally. What, where, you know, so how did you keep your mind together? Because I know you were smart. Um, you wanted to be a lawyer yes. Uh, when you were in school. Mm-hmm. And I know all this stuff because we grew up in the church together and we were always in music together. And mm-hmm. he shared that with us, that he was going to be leaving to go to Chapel Hill, right? Central. Central. Mm-hmm. You're going to in, in Central. Um, but the Lord blessed him with Maximilian. Mm-hmm. So that changed things. So mentally, how did you um, stay um, in a place where you always had your eye on as they say the prize well i mean first and foremost with me you know it 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 was you know and this is just not a cliche but it's just true it was just it was just all god um you know and his ability uh to keep and to protect um and anything that i did experience of course um you know he was there to to cover and to give grace for it Mm -hmm. um so i was able to uh you know to to come out um, of that situation so, uh, I mean, you know, my relationship with the Lord, um, and like I said, just growing up in church, I mean, even the times when we were playing church, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it all still mattered, Yeah, you know, and then eventually it, you know, it, it started clicking. All right. So, um, that was just, that was very important and it just really kind of just kept me out of, um, a whole lot of things and even, you know, my focus on, you know, Maybe. how life could be. And uh, and the possibilities, mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know at the end of the day, you know even in the midst of getting into or when I come into a situation, and even as an adult now, uh, but I just picked this up a long time ago, and I just remember like it's yesterday. I mean, even in school, kids, if I if I experienced something that quote unquote didn't feel good or that was an issue, I would just kind of um, my men, my mental would always be where would I be two weeks from now. Right. So I was always looking to come out of it. Right. I never, the whole pity party thing, mm-hmm. um, that was just never a part of my um, my making or, you know, to me as a person, which kind of helped me, you know, pull up my bootstraps. Right. You know what I mean? And um, just kind of, uh, just kind of just tough it out and walk it out and just do the best that I could with what I had to deal with. Because ultimately, like I said, I just knew things wouldn't, things wouldn't always be like this. Yes my current situation it's always about you know projective and mm-hmm. perspective and just kind of looking ahead and to some you know that may not work for some people but you know um and i don't want to want to kind of keep it on a low norm where i'm gonna go with anybody's head but you know when you have a when you have what they call tunnel vision mm-hmm. you're just looking straight right and um it was just all about looking straight you know whether i mistakenly did it it was still by design right. that he gave it to me, you know, to look straight, you know, and just um, just try to do my best, you know, just kind of uh, focus and, you know, kind of stay on a path per se. So I just I just accredited all to him. And then everything else that came with that, 
um, you know, he gave that to me, whatever that was and all that it was. Right. I mean, ultimately, I know what it was. Um, you know, the relationship was just, you know, very important. So um, without him, none of it uh, would have been possible. Right. Do you think um, the prophecy that you got over your life as a young man also helped you stay focused because you knew what um, the anointing that was on your life and the prophecies that were spoken and in order for them to come to pass, you had to stay on a certain path? Yeah, they definitely had um, a part to play in it. Mm -hmm. But it's like with anything, though, you really don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> especially, you know, when you're receiving, you know, prophetic words, yeah, you know, spoken words mm -hmm. or word of knowledge or whatever you want to call it. Um, you just don't know. But all you can really do is just, you know, just obviously pray. But, you know, just to do your best just to, you know, just to walk upright as best as you can. And then all those other things will come to pass. Um, and that's just kind of how I approached it. I mean, you know, music was always, you know, a love of mine and a mm -hmm. passion of mine. Right. You know, in addition to sports, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, but definitely, um, you know, what was prophesied, you know, in my younger years, um, it, 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 it always was a part of me because, you know, when those things started happening, even, even along my journey, you know, with school, music school, that is, I mean, school um junior high school you know the, the competitions and the you know the all states and stuff like that mm -hmm. um and then the high school same thing you know being a professional player because of where i came from with junior high school and one of the one of one of the best junior high school teachers and, and elementary teachers too mr gillen he was so mean he would come through and kick the case <laughs> if you had, your, you had your foot up on your case saxophone players you would know what i'm talking about yeah but, you I know, know he, was just, about. he would come through and kick your case yeah you know he, but he was amazing, though. Yeah. And Miss Taylor, I remember one time we were out eating at the little restaurant, the lamp, what was it, the, lamp, the little fish place up there. You probably remember, but she was in, she was she was in a restaurant with her mother, so she was and she was my junior high teacher uh -huh. for band. Okay. And um, but so and having you were at Garinger. Um, oh. that was senior high. Senior high. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so I was at Northeast at um, okay for junior high. But yeah, she was phenomenal too. But her her discipline for music and then of course getting to uh, Garinger with uh, Dr. Maddox everybody knew Dr. Maddox highly respected yeah um, unfortunately a lot of the kids that came from other schools <laughs> it was it was it was interesting but <laughs> that journey and then coupled with you know my uh, drum major situation mm -hmm, senior mm -hmm. year and then, you know, and then everything else that was happening with the church. Yes. When you throw it all together, it was just a part of the journey. Yeah. So the spoken word, it was always there. It was just always there as a part of the journey. So it definitely um, had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've always been focused. In, and, I, and I say this all the time, and I'll tell you, my listeners, I've always had total utmost respect for for Deacon minister Dalton back then before he was my husband as a musician and as a man of God because he's he's always been serious about um, whatever it was he was doing whether it was playing the drums saxophone directing the choir learning how to play keyboard and I remember you um because again we always did music together suggesting that I and I played the organ but I played by ear mm -hmm. and you suggest that I take theory classes mm -hmm. because at that point you were learning 
and you were telling me to do stuff I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was, I mean, definitely, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, just kind of trying to broaden um, our, all of our gifts, you yeah. know, and there were other, other players other like players, that too, yeah. you know, definitely, um, you know, with that whole, with that whole thing. So, um, you know, it just kind of was what it was, but it was all, all for the kingdom. Yeah, it really was. Mm -hmm. and, and today we're reaping the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. um, so you had to also, as a fatherless son, um, forge your own way to success. Tell us about your discipline, because your discipline, because I know you're very disciplined and you work hard and you've taught Maximilian the same thing to be disciplined. So share a little bit, because another one of the, um, the successes in being a fatherless son is to um, be a good dad to your own kids. So if you don't mind sharing with the listeners some of the disciplines that you've had that you have instilled into Maximilian. Mm -hmm. um, and, just, and, and the fact that you didn't have a father mm -hmm. and you developed all these disciplines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to uh, school and, and, and education, um, I've always been an honor student always i mean you know even in the young years but then when you get the whole little one two grades right always you know i, I would have a and he always won the um programs <laughs> at church <laughs> now I would, I would i would get in you know trouble trying to be cool and talk a little bit but i always had good grades though yeah. um because I, I knew at the end of the day uh, that was something that would just be important you know in regards you know to what i want to do future even though i didn't know what i wanted to do future in the early years. Right. But I just knew it just, you know, just something that would just be important. So again, always coming home, mm -hmm. you know, doing homework and getting the homework out the way. And, um, and then you, you go out to play and things of that nature. And that's just something that I just carried over in everything, you know, even when it comes to getting jobs and working and things along those lines. And then when it comes to, um, you know, Max, I, I knew it was just like a plan. It was a, I already knew what he needed to do in order for him to become, um, you know, a um, excellent student right. and a serious student. Because at the end of the day, I knew what it was when we were coming up in school. I knew he would need that and some, and some. you know, for where he would be going education wise um, and where he is today. You mean tutors, you're talking, mm -hmm. you know, special classes during the summer, right. trainings at, you know, he trained at a lot of different schools, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the, a lot of his summers for what was coming up next because it was important. And that's just something that I knew um, that he would definitely need. So that discipline for me, I just, you know, prayed and just, you know, wanted to do my best to instill it um, within him. And I didn't want to, um, you know, do anything else but, to, you know, try to do my best to keep him on straight and narrow. Right, and and you've done a good job at that, and of course, being the mom, um, helping on the domestic side, um, because there are just some things that fathers can teach, and there are some things that mothers can teach. Yes. And so, at this point, I know you all you also have learned how to stand on your own two feet, and you've mentioned having to pull your own bootstraps up. So, at what point did you realize that? And you and I have had these conversations as husband and wife because there are you know, things that you, you share and some things you won't share because you prefer to figure it out first, make sure it's going to work, and then share it with me, and which I respect as your wife, and I don't try to force anything out of you anymore, you know, now that we've been together, um, together 18 years mm -hmm. um, and married almost 15. So I understand 
that about you. So how did you get to the point of, I can only depend on myself? Well, once I actually started, when I, when I started working mm-hmm. and I started, you know, um, you know, making my own money and, you know, started paying tithe and buying my own clothes and learning how to catch the bus all around town. It started then. And so you're talking seventh grade Mm. as a 14 year old. So, I mean, those seeds were already being planted, Wow. you know, and it just really, I know mom taught you how to work hard. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, my mom, you know, you know, she's the best, Yeah. you know, just, there's nobody like, uh, Jerlene Dalton. Shout out to you. Shout out to your mama. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, my mom made a lot of sacrifices in order for me to, you know, be in certain positions. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I just remember we used to go around and, you know, pick up bottles Mm -hmm. and cans, um, you know, just to try to get money. So that's a part of the discipline of work. Yeah. The hustle, the whole hustle piece. So at the end of the day, those elements, you know, kind of pushed me to where, you know, I am today. And when you couple that with, you know, trying to do your best to be, you know, the breadwinner, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the prophet and the priest of your home mm-hmm. and, you know, just the protector at the right. end of the day. Um, I just grew up in an era of, amongst people that, you know, you don't say stuff that you don't mean. You don't make a lot of promises, right. that kind of thing. You know, right. you know, a bunch of talk that wasn't that men didn't do that. Right. Not how I came up. Right. Um, you know, if you said something, what you said is what you meant. And it was what it was. So I took that and, again, used that in regards to, you know, achieving things mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to figure things out um, and not to make no promises. Because at the end of the day, when I was coming up, promises were broken to me. Right. And I didn't want to I didn't want to put that on nobody. Um, I didn't want to put that on Max. I didn't want to put that on you. Right. I just and, and just general just people. I That's just something that I don't do. You know, I just try to do my best to try to have the answer in a sense if I don't have it I'm really working on it or we're like almost there but the whole empty promise thing um you know from my young my young rearing because it didn't work mm-hmm. I, cho- I chose I chose uh, to, to do my best to stay away from it yeah and and that works well for us because uh you've told me in the past if you tell me something then I'm gonna continue to ask you well at like children say, are we there yet? Are we there mm-hmm. yet? Are we there mm-hmm. yet? And that just worries you and you're not, you don't have um, the freedom to really think it out, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, it works for us. And so I, I recommend all you ladies, if he doesn't share it with you, it's not because he's holding secrets. He's just processing things. Yes. He's just processing things. Um, one, one other thing, and we've not talked about this. How did you become a football coach and what inspired you to do that? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've been, number one, I grew up as a kid playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's funny. I just, me and a couple of my friends, we went and signed our own selves up. Oh, <laughs> so Lord. It wasn't like, you know, like, you like your parents took you, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. You can just kind of go and just sign your own Cause self Cause you up. know, when we were kids, we could, it was a sin to do everything. Yeah, I know, but I still did it. I'm gonna get to that part. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sin. <laughs> they said, but, uh, but yeah, so, um. I, you know, I signed myself up and then as a kid, and so I played, I got preached on a whole lot. Yes. A lot of sermons preached on me, Yes, but, uh, but that's where it all started. And then, um, you know, playing sports all the way up until high school. Mm -hmm. And then once I got to high school, I just kind of just focused on, you know, music. And again, that's how I kind of got to the whole, um, um, drum, uh, drum major piece. But, um, and then once I got out of high school, you know, 
I've always followed football. I yes. mean, I follow, you I follow, still do I, follow I, football. I, I, I follow football like uh, like like a trading right. cards yeah. kind of thing. And um, and then the opportunity came to where, you know, I could, uh, you know, kind of be like an assistant coach with an organization. And um, I liked it. I yeah. mean, I already knew, but, you know, I, but the opportunity came. And when it came, you know, I liked it. And then two years after that, and then, yeah, two years after that, I became a head coach. Mm. And when I became a head coach, it was it was his own. Yeah. <laughs> it was his, it was his own. And uh, I love, we still hold a lot of records here in this city. I know, right? <laughs> what was the name of the team? Uh, we were the Rams, but we were we were the Rams, but we were a part of um, the uh, NCYFL, and um, we traveled. And um, but it was uh, it, it was a great journey. Yeah, it was a great journey. And when we started dating, you were coaching, and uh, man, we would be out there in that cold weather, mm-hmm. and I'll be out there rooting, driving the van. I remember we took a trip. Where was it? Down South Carolina one time. Mm-hmm. We took Greenville. two trips. Yeah, we took two. And um, I right there, me and Max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Max was little too, very little, wrapped up in blankets. Oh man, it was in the teens out it there. It was, but I was right there by side my boo. <laughs> <laughs> we were riding hard even then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really awesome. And now you have seen some of those boys that you coached. NFL. Yes. NFL. I mean, you know, it's just uh, it's just kind of funny because even today, like I said, um. Although I haven't coached in well over 10 years, 12 years, whatever. Um, But I still, from that point, I still followed players. Mm -hmm. Because I just watched their maturation from where we were with the league. Mm -hmm. And then how they went to high school. Then how they went to college. And then, you know, how they became pros. So to see the maturation of those kids, it's just been been crazy to say, oh, I coached that boy. Yeah. You know, I I know his parents, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, just again, it's just a, a, a part of the journey. But when you're in it, it's nothing. Right. It's not until you actually, you step out of it and then you look back and you, you're trying to figure out how in the world did you spend 10 months doing this? Yeah. Literally two months off and 10 months February, you're planning again. Right. So that's just kind of what it was, but yeah, it was fun. And in that, that picture that you just painted for us, um, coming from uh, a place of uh, not enough. Mm-hmm and obtaining the wisdom and the the knowledge that you needed to thrive and survive Mm -hmm. and to be able to impart what you've learned into your own and not only in your own but in others Mm -hmm. who you now see have taken that seed and have grown onto as as jesus christ says um i'm gonna leave and you're going to be doing greater works, mm-hmm. you know, greater things than I have. And this is something that we've talked about before is uh, giving our children something that we didn't have. Yes. So just to see them, the guys that you've coached, not just them, but our sons mm-hmm. do greater works. That's what success looks like yes. to me. I agree. Um, and true leadership develops and creates carbon copies. One thousand percent. Um of the success, even in the failures, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think as John Maxwell says, um, let me tell you about my failures versus my successes. So, um, I, you know, I commend you for that. And I have, you know, I love you. I love you like for real. I love you too, love. For real. <laughs> I love you like for real. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> and if you know, um, people say I love you to death. No, I love you like for real love you. I, I mean, like 
I like for real love you and I like for real like <laughs> you. And this has been really great, really great. I want you to share uh, what are our takeaways from today's lesson about being a fatherless son. What's the odyssey of being a fatherless son and being able to um, be like the phoenix and rise above the ashes? Mm-hmm. Um, well, your story isn't over. Yeah, that's good. It's definitely not over. Um, You know, it's just it's just a period, you know, or just just a moment, or however you want to look at it. Um, Your current situation never let that dictate where you're going to ultimately be, whether it's with you, your family, your children, your wife, um, that kind of thing. So, from a father's standpoint, also, um, you know definitely lean and trust on some other people, yeah. some other men that you can connect with, which is very important because yeah. at the end of the day, um, although I didn't go around asking people to be my daddy, mm-hmm. you know, the re- relationship. So my point is to form a relationship with people. And then, you know, if it forms into it, then it forms into it. Um, you know, also just have a focus, you know, like none other that, you know, that, not to say that you won't make mistakes because mistakes is a part of the journey. Um, but I always say, and I say quitting is not an option right. and it really is not an, really not an option. Yeah. Right. You know, just, I, I don't care how it looks. I don't care what it is. At the end of the day, you have to continue um, just to, just to move on. And, you know, ultimately if you don't know the Lord, you know, get to know the Lord. Yes. That, that's that, to me, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And then everything else truly will take care of itself. You get that down then he'll just begin to set up stuff for you. Yeah. He'll begin to line stuff for you. You know, he'll just begin to place people in the way, mm-hmm. you know, place opportunities in the way and move other stuff out the way. And, um, and the rest will just be history. But I think most importantly is just people. What we have to understand is um, life is a journey. Yes, it is. And, you know, we don't want to negate the journey. Right. You know, just... Don't no, don't negate the journey. You know, just take the take the whole take the whole run. Yeah. And you know, whatever comes of it, whatever becomes of it, um, you know, it you know it becomes of it. But you know, as long as we're definitely doing our part to make sure that we're where we need to be and we're doing what we need to do, and it's all by God's grace. Everything is by God's grace. Amen. Yeah. Everything is by God's grace. Everything. And, and we were talking this morning, um, as I was going into work about. Uh, no one starts out looking to fail. Right. We always start with the, the goal of winning. Yes. Finishing and winning. Yes. So if, if we could add to uh, our lesson takeaways today is to start with the winning in mind. Mm-hmm. That's good. Don't Don't start with, I'm not going to make it. Start with, I'm I'm going to win. Yes, 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 and not not from a like I said, mm-hmm. like as you mentioned this morning, you know, not from a overzealous mm-hmm. or you know from an arrogant place. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, again, quitting is not an option. Quitting so that's where that whole winning thing comes from that I like to speak on all the time. Yeah. That's what that is. No matter what, you cannot quit. You cannot quit. You have to just continue just to press on because at the end of the day, that's where victory is. Yes. You don't want to quit before victory. Yes. Then you're defeated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, victory. Thank you, love. Mm-hmm. Thank you, love. Um, this is the end of our podcast. That time went by fast. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I think my husband, let's give him a hand clap for joining Finding Peace Within. He looks over there. He's smiling. Uh, I think I'm rubbing off. <laughs> look, look, guys, seriously, I hope this podcast was very, very helpful to you and that you found um, something in Stephen's story that will inspire you to look don't give up on your dreams don't stop because of of where you started Um, and we say this a lot we hear this a lot it's not about how you start it's about how you finish it's not about where you came from it's about where you end up so today tonight this morning this afternoon whatever time you're listening to the podcast do know hard work pays off yes and with God, all things are possible. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Yeah. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we spend, oh God, with you, oh God, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to God to speak to the masses, to speak to the people, God, Lord. We pray, oh God, Lord, that what we've spoken on today, Lord, let it be something, oh God, Lord, that transforms and begins to do a new thing, oh God, within these listeners on today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we know that you are a God of a second chance, third chance, and a fourth chance. So even those right now, oh God, that don't know you, oh God, Lord, we speak over their lives, oh God, that they can begin to put themselves in place, oh God, Lord. So that they can be found, oh God, Lord, yes. because you said you're seeking those. You're looking, oh God, Lord. So, Lord, let them be found on today in the name of Jesus. God, we just pray, oh God, continuously, oh God, for this platform, oh God. And I pray yes, for my wife God. as well, that you just continue just to broaden her vision, oh God, and her horizons, oh God. And just the things that you're giving, oh God, all the witty inventions in the name of Jesus. That the finding peace within, oh God, Lord. We already know that it's a global brand, oh God, Lord. That it's a worldwide brand, oh God, Lord. But at the end of the day, it's your brand. So we thank you for it now, even in advance, oh God, Lord, that these things will, shall, and must come to pass by your son's Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Go and make it a beautiful week. And as always, a centered soul is a centered mind. Thank you for listening to the Finding Peace Within podcast with Lisa L. Dalton. You can find me on Instagram at Lisa Wilson Dalton. You can follow me on Facebook at Lisa Wilson Dalton. And follow me on Twitter at I am Lisa L. Dalton. I even have a website, findingpeacewithin.org, where you can read some of my blogs. You can find the books that I've written and even some of the workout videos that I've created. Until next time, remember to find peace within. A centered soul is a centered mind.